Sometimes my life looks like a pantomime. Yes, very good. To which you would normally reply, oh, no, it doesn't. And I would say, oh, yes, it does. Even if you've never been to a pantomime before, it doesn't take you long to pick up how the scenes work, does it? It doesn't take you very long to realize, oh, wait, they're going to keep saying that, and then we need to keep saying that. And then it just goes round and round and round. Statements follow exclamations, and a repetitive sequence of words continues, and yet the plot goes nowhere. Today, I want to help us make sure that our everyday lives in witnessing are less like a pantomime and more like a Shakespearean classic. <laughs> I want to debunk the lie, I can't be a witness, so that we no longer have that tedious shouting match between Satan that goes round and round and round that gets us absolutely nowhere. In order to do that, I'm going to need God's help, aren't I? Particularly if I'm thinking about blind date. So I'm going to pray. Father God, would you help us? <laughs> would you help me this morning? Would you fill me with your spirit again? Anoint me again to bring what you want to say, God, this morning. And I pray, speak to us. Speak right into our hearts about this lie. And debunk it completely, I pray. By your power and in your name. Amen. Very simply today, I have got one point. And it's always a joy to preach a message with one point. But following that point are two important questions. The point is this, believe the truth. I can be a witness. The question is this, how can I become a better witness this year? And the second question is, what can I do now in the run-up to Alpha? So let's kick off with the point, believe the truth. I can be a witness. The best lies out there in the world are always the most subtle. They're always the ones that distort the truth just enough so that you believe it. And I was subject to a lie in August last year, uh, and it got under my skin and into my heart, and I was pretty much taken out by it for a little while. I started to believe the lie just after New Day that actually I wasn't really needed among our youth team. I started to believe that actually my team are so good at what they do, and they've got all their roles down to a T, that actually I wasn't required. And if you'd asked me at the time, I wouldn't have admitted that I believed that lie, but somehow it got under my skin. This lie fed some other lies that I started to believe around late August, early September, when uh, the enemy said to me, oh, do you know what? You normally go out and walk uh, around Happy Valley and all that, and you worship and you pray and stuff as you go, uh, but it's raining, so it's okay not to go walking. It's okay not to go out there and worship. You can do that from your lounge. You don't have to go so far. This lie was followed by another lie. It was the enemy saying, you don't need to seek God first today necessarily. Remember, your team have got all that youth stuff down. You can just stay at home in your lounge and play guitar. That's all right. Play guitar and just you know, call that your worship time, your devotional time for the day. Well, the effects of this lie didn't really come to fruition uh, until late September. I started to feel down, overwhelmed, tired by everything that I had on my to-do list, despite the fact that there was nothing more on my to-do list than there was the year before, and God had brought me right through on that. But the worst part about this lie was that I didn't realize that I'd started to believe it. I didn't realize, and I carried on regardless. I just continued my daily lifestyle, making myself think that I was all right. In fact, a couple of really good friends of mine said to me, you don't seem to be showing quite as much joy as normal. Are you okay? And I went, I'm fine. 
I'm still spending time with God. You know, I'm playing guitar and I'm worshipping. I'm doing all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm all right. And I carried on. But then we got to middle of October and I was stopped in my tracks. A really, really good friend of mine who's really, really good at working this stuff out said to me, are you all right? There must be something wrong. You just don't seem to be yourself. You're not here with us fully. You're kind of zoned out and not really focused on what you're meant to be doing. Well, that's the moment that I cracked. That's the moment that everything welled up from inside of me and all the emotion came out and I just burst into tears. I realized that something was wrong. And the worst thing was I was booing my eyes out and I didn't even know what it was that was wrong. Well, very quickly, the next day, I realized that I'd believed all those lies and I decided not to believe them anymore. I went out for a walk. I went worshiping. I went praying. I went seeking God. I remembered all that stuff that I used to do in order not to become emotionally overwhelmed. I debunked that lie in a moment. But the scariest part of the story is that actually the lie that I believed initially had crept up on me without realizing it. Similarly, the lie, I can't be a witness, is ever so subtle. And I would claim that it's infiltrating the church. The lie is communicated through other lies as well. So this lie of I can't be a witness is just compounded by believing things like, I'm not good enough to witness. My testimony's boring. Or I don't, witness, I don't need to witness. We've got an alpha team who do that. Or no one's going to want to listen to me anyway. All those lies compound this one lie about I can't be a witness. But today we're going to debunk that. Worse still, these lies can be compounded by uh, what I would call a contemporary online presence. So indirectly, this has begun to affect us. Nowadays, instead of telling our story perhaps face-to-face, like people would have had to, do, had to do before social media came along, we go and find some pithy article or video that kind of debunks a lie about Jesus or even perhaps preaches the gospel, some of which are really, really good, some of which are not so good. And then actually we start to believe this subtle lie. Hey, you've posted that John Piper article on Facebook and Twitter. That's enough witnessing for you this week. That's the thing we start to believe. And that actually subconsciously affects us because we think, oh, I've done that. I've put it out there. People online know that I am supporting what John Piper is saying about Jesus. Therefore, they know I'm supporting Jesus. And if one lie leads to another, then we could find out that we're actually barely interacting with the people that God has placed us along, among offline, like neighbors and colleagues. And reposting speculatively, we just wait for a response to the gospel. That's how the lies can feed each other. So that's the bad news, that this lie can creep in among others and be compounded by them. But there is good news as well. This morning, we can debunk that lie of I can't be a witness using the scriptures. Hallelujah. We hold them dear to our heart and they will help us again. So let's go through four scriptures that break down this lie and reinforce the truth that A, it was always God's plan for us to be his witnesses and B, that we witness for God's glory and not our own. Okay, here we go. Number one, turn to Psalm 96 if you're speedy with your app or Bible. Here it is, verses two and three say this. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. The Psalms are written years and years and years before Jesus came 
to earth. And yet, even then, they're declaring that salvation comes from God. They're declaring that day to day. They're declaring that he is glorious. They're declaring that he has done marvelous works like the marvelous works you've heard among our testimonies this morning. And you can witness about these things. You can witness about Jesus' salvation offered to us. When the enemy says, oh, no, you can't, you can shout back, oh, yes, I can. It's as simple as telling a testimony. It's as simple as telling a story from day to day or even here on a Sunday. What if we took all those stories that we heard this week and we went to our friends and relatives and colleagues and told them one of those stories? That would be telling of his salvation and greatness from day to day. That's the first one, back in the Psalms, pre-Jesus. In Mark's gospel, this is moving along the timeline a bit, up with Jesus, he, it says this about his disciples in 16 verse 20. It says, And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. We are Jesus' disciples of today. You and me, we follow him. We are obedient to him. We love him. And he gives us authority to complete these signs that accompany our faith in him. But the best part about this particular scripture is one word, and it is with. The Lord worked with them. And the Lord works with you. He partners with you in your witnessing, in your daily life, by the power of the Spirit. And we benefit from receiving the Spirit on a daily basis by asking Him to help us. You can be a witness because Jesus and the Holy Spirit partner with you in reaching your friends. Moving on again to post-resurrection. Jesus has come, died, risen from the dead, and He says this to His disciples in Acts 1.8, and everyone will probably know this one really, really well. Jesus said to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When we place our faith in Jesus, receive forgiveness and invite him in, he sends his Holy Spirit, he sends that down payment, that deposit for us. He fills us with power. Power. I love the fact that that word is in our scriptures and it's his power. It's not our power. We are often focusing on those in powerful positions, but God is the most powerful and he sends that power to reside in us. You can be a witness because you are filled with God's supernatural power, the Holy Spirit. After Jesus has returned to heaven, the apostle Paul confirms an old proverb, Proverb 22, uh, chapter 22 it's from, and he reassures his readers that they will receive the bounty of what they sow. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Beg your pardon, I'll say it again. This is the point. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Normally, this text refers to financial giving. It's entitled, The Cheerful 
giver, but it also, the principle applies to kingdom fruit as well, and salvation, and witnessing. There's a number of cross-references I looked up of how it goes through the Bible. The ESV Study Bible is great for that. Really enjoyed looking these up. But the idea, the principle is that if we sow the gospel, if we witness abundantly, then we will see the fruit, the bounty, come back to us in time to come. And this principle parallels with uh, what Dale was explaining last term when we did the culture of mission with the tennis balls. Does anyone remember that picture? Yeah. Throwing up a tennis ball is an equivalent to giving someone an opportunity to respond to something you have said about God, Jesus, or your faith. Now, God just might hit some of those tennis balls. And in this context, in this piece of scripture, the idea is that if we continue to throw out seeds abundantly, well, God will just make some of them grow. And you can be a witness who creates more witnesses by spreading seeds generously, not sparingly. So we can tell stories from day to day generously, not sparingly. Now we know that the subtlety of the lie, I can't be a witness, creeps up on us without realizing it. I've described how that can happen, but now we can declare the truth. Based on these scriptures and many more like them, we can say, I can be a witness. And I want you to say it with me, okay? So we're going to say it on three. Ready? One, two, three. I can be a witness. Thank you. I have one point, and now I want to go on to some questions. Let's start with question one. Knowing that I can be a witness, how can I become a better witness this year? In last term when we did our culture of mission, um, I was driving down to the prayer meeting on a, on a Monday morning. We have it at 7 a.m., and uh, it's normally like kind of a bleary-eyed drive, and you, you really should concentrate probably more than I do. But the point was, I was driving down the, the Catron Bypass, and God spoke to me. He said, there's someone in that snack shack. And you can imagine, it's kind of December, it's really dark. It's just this tiny light in this snack shack. He said, there's someone in that snack shack who needs to know that I love them. And this is what I want you to do, Simon Quincy. I want you to go, he calls me Simon sometimes if he wants me to do what I, you know. Anyway, he says, I want you to go there and I want you to take the person that's there flowers and they're not for the person that's there, they're for the friend of the person who's there. The friend is going through a tough time. They'll appreciate the flowers. It'll show them that, uh, that they're loved. And I forgot for five successive weeks, every time I drove past the snack shack on the way to the prayer meeting, Five weeks, I forgot. And then I remembered one week when, before I left home to get some flowers, and I did it, and I went there. And lo and behold, I took the flowers and spoke to the lady Nicola in the snack shack, and I told her the story, and she looked completely bewildered. And this is probably one of my favorite things about witnessing that way, is that people just can't believe you would do such a ridiculous thing. Uh, and I did it, and I took her the flowers, and she said, my friend is going through a rough time. I don't know how you knew, but thank you so much. And she really appreciated it. Anyway, did that, forgot again that I'd even done it, uh, and then last week I remembered, ah, oh, I witnessed to that person in the snack shack. Oh, I better take them one of those invite flyers to Alpha. And so I said, all right, God, I want to do this, so just remind me when I go. And I could you not. I drove down the bypass. I got about 50 meters from the turnoff, had forgotten, got about 50 meters beyond the turnoff, looked at the snack shack and went, Oh, no. And so I <laughs> came into the next lane, went around the roundabout, back to Catrim, and down the bypass again, just so I could go in there. And I felt really silly doing it. I was like, I really hope she's there. Otherwise, it's going to be a whole waste of time. But she was there, and she appreciated it. And her friend was there as well. 
and they took one each. So I was really pleased about that. And I'll tell you what, I want to do more of that this year. We've been doing um, golf days as well. Anyone heard about the golf days? Well, they've been going on, <laughs> clearly not. <laughs> they've been going on for four years. Uh, we've been doing them biannually. And uh, I had a great conversation with one guy once on these golf days. Um, and I said to him, oh, do you want to come to Just Looking? We're doing it in a couple of weeks. And he went, no. Anyway, he keeps coming on the golf days, right? And so I said to him last time, instead of just asking him about the course, I was like, do you mind if I keep asking you if you would like to come on these courses? And he goes, hey, look, you can keep asking, but I'm just going to keep saying no. So I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to keep bugging you and telling you about these courses, inviting you on them, and I want to do more of that this year. I want to go back and ask people I've already asked, ask them if they don't mind me asking, and then ask them again. That's what I want to do this year. Just this week, uh, I went walking down around Happy Valley, and uh, not, uh, strangely, not everyone looks happy when they're walking around Happy Valley. It's bizarre. But I was enjoying walking, and uh, it was another one of these word of knowledge things, and God was like, cross the road, talk to the lady, tell her that I know about her financial situation. She doesn't have to be concerned. I'm gonna, I'm, if she'll talk to me about it, I'll, you know, I'll comfort her. Anyway, went over to the person and said, hey, look, uh, I know this is really random, but um, I'm a Christian, I was walking along, God told me to come and talk to you and tell you not to worry about your finances. Um, hope you don't find that too strange. And she went, oh, that's funny. I was just thinking about my finances. I'm not worried about them though. And I went, oh, well, can I pray for you now anyway? And she went, I don't really believe in any of that and walked off. Even though God spoke straight into her life, she didn't want to know. I was petrified when I crossed the road. I still am when I do these things, but I want to do more of it this year. I want to be scared a lot more than I was last year. When I do prayer on the streets, uh, I've done this a number of times, and now Ella is fantastic. Encourage her when you see her. She's leading the team uh, nowadays, and I'm just joining in when I'm around. And um, I've been in Oxted High Street, and I was walking down the road, and a guy was coming towards me. Wanted, you know, was pumped, been praying, been worshiping. Oh, I'm ready to go. And uh, he was walking towards me, and I thought, I'm going to speak to him. I'm going to do it. And I got within about five feet of him, and I said, hi, we're Christian. And he'd walked past me already. He shook, he bit his lip, he shook his head, and he muttered to himself as he walked away. I want to do more of that this year. Talk to people that I don't know. Step out and do what I, <laughs> what I believe God is asking me to do in that area. I had my neighbors round to dinner last year, and it was a really nice evening together. Sophie was there, um, so that made it a lot better. And uh, they had a great time. They ate curry. One lady even ate curry, even though she told me two weeks later that she didn't even like curry. Uh, so I was really proud of her for that. But they haven't been around since. But I'll tell you what, I put a note through the door of another neighbor the other day, just speculatively. And I'd, I'd been mulling this around for about a week and a half because uh, when I get in my car, sometimes people will be walking past and I'll be like, oh, hi, where do you live? Which number? Oh, right, great. You should come around to dinner. And I think I've said it to the same woman about four times in the last year, but I haven't got around to dinner. And I'm, I could have sworn that she said she lived at number nine. So I wrote a note and write, hi, Jan, I'd really like to invite you around to dinner with whoever you live with and whatever. And I put it through number nine and I thought, I've done it. Yes. I've heard nothing. I could have put it in the wrong door for all I know, but I put a note through the door. I want to do that. I want to put more notes through doors this year as well. 
At my hockey club, there's, uh, there's some guys who are a bit brash. Sometimes they tell stories that you couldn't tell in church, uh, and they're hilarious. But the, the point is, there's a guy there that, um, <laughs> they are, uh, there's a guy there who, who actually, they all know I'm a Christian because every time I score a goal, they think it must be an answer to prayer. So they, they always make a joke. They always, they always wind me up and they're like, oh, hand of God. Yep, okay. So, all right. And I just laugh. I just accept the fact that it probably is an answer to prayer because I pray before every game. But the point, the point being, one of these guys obviously knows I'm a Christian because we joke about it and whatever. And for the first few weeks, it was funny because they called me vicar, which I found hilarious. Anyway, um, this guy said to me, look, I'm interested in Christianity. Which books could I read? I suggested some books he could read. And then last week, um, if you get voted in to be man of the match two, you have to write the match report. And he really didn't want to write it. And in the past, I have to confess, other teammates have actually offered me a fiver to write it for them because I could write it quite quickly. So he texted me and he said, oh, I've got, would, you, would you write the match report for five of my English pounds? Uh, and I said, do you know what? Forget the match, forget the catch, forget the cash. Just come along to the Alpha launch night in a couple of weeks, have a free curry and hear about it instead. And he went, sounds like a fair deal to me. I want to bribe more people like that this year. That's what I want to do. I want to do it. I want to get them along to Alpha. Yesterday, Neil and I went out on the street uh, and we had some, uh, some chocolates, some Lindor chocolates, and Neil had a massive bunch of balloons that, in, when we'd walked up the road, just got completely tangled. So Neil stood on the street and untangled balloons for 45 minutes, handing them to me one at a time when people came along. Some of the people came along I had a box of Lindor chocolates, and how can you resist a Lindor chocolate? But I, I offered them, and they would just go, no, no thanks. They'd walk past. Or, or they just pretend, pretend you're not there, which is even funnier in some ways, because there's Bear grills like behind me on the bus stop, and there's me with a red box and an alpha balloon. Pretend you're not there. And they, they, reject, they reject you. You kind of take that hit, and I just thought to myself, you know what? I've, I'm a fool for Christ, aren't I? I'm standing out here with a balloon filled with helium, a box of chocolates, Neil and Bear Grylls. No, sorry, that wasn't meant to be. <laughs> but like, I'm out here, what am, I, what am I doing? Who does this? And God was like, you're a fool. You're a fool for me. You're doing it because you want to witness. Even though you get rejected, even though some people have a chat and some people took a balloon. We did pass out all the balloons. And I just thought, wow, I want to do more of that this year. I just want to bless people. I just want to give them a chocolate. just want them to make them aware that there's a God out there who either wants their child to have a balloon, which they probably let go of, or have a chocolate to themselves. I want to do more of that this year. But why do I tell you stories? Why do I tell you all that? Well, these stories are not stories of success or failure when it comes to the kingdom of God. All the stories I've told you are crucially acts of obedience. <laughs> The question, how can I be a better witness this year, can be answered by saying, well, I can just focus on being obedient to the God that I love rather than being a success or a failure at witnessing. I want to encourage you to share your acts of obedience this year. We leave a lot of room for testimonies, but um, sometimes it can all just be positive, positive, positive. Well, in some ways, I'm not going to ask you to share negative things. I'm going to ask you to share Acts of obedience, stories that go like this. Um, I asked to pray for someone, and they said no. And everyone applauds all at once, like we do at the end of a testimony. And then I invited someone to church for the first time ever, and they told me to jog on using some really choice words. Applause, yes. And then maybe I asked someone if I could explain what the Bible really says about Jesus after listening to their story. 
And they agreed. The same level of applause. Or I sat down with my colleague and we read the Bible together and discussed it. More applause. Or I managed to tell my, Christ- my colleagues I'm a Christian. Now they think I'm weird, but I'm going to prove them wrong. Applause. My point is this, that actually we can share stories in this context, in this church, as this family, that don't always have to be successful because we are going to celebrate obedience. I want to do more of that this year. It's not all about words of knowledge or amazing God encounters or things that just seem completely out there. These acts of obedience are in completely different contexts as well. Acts of obedience include inviting friends to dinner, having teas and coffees with people, going to meet the, the person downstairs who's uh, in the flat below you who's just a bit lonely, spending a bit of time with them, random acts of kindness where the person will never find out it was you. We can't all be the same type of witness. That would be an unreasonable expectation. But we can all be intentional about becoming better witnesses this year in our own way, in our own context, in the way that you do witnessing. That said, there are things that actually we can all gather together and do in the next year in pursuit of being better witnesses. We can all ask this question, what next, Lord? When it comes to those we've been witnessing to, I want us to ask, what next? And there could be people that you have been alongside for years, and actually you're out of ideas, and you ask, what next? After confess, after our dinner with the neighbors, I asked God, what next? And he presented me with an opportunity. The lady upstairs from me um, promptly told me when I visited her that her windows had been attacked by an enormous horde of seagulls, and it was disgusting, and there was poo everywhere, and that she would really like to get the windows cleaned. And God just dropped the idea in my mind. Well, why don't you organize window cleaning for your block? And I can tell you now, three months later, having had that first conversation, I finally managed to communicate and negotiate the prices and the costs so everyone gets a fair share and everyone pays the right amount. And I told Dennis, the window cleaner, to come next Thursday. So I finally managed to do it, but it took ages. And you might find that actually your what next actually takes a lot longer and is probably not as fruitful as quickly as you hope it would be. But God said, look, you're showing your neighbors that you want to serve them and love them. We can ask the what next question. Next, we can all ask for more of the Holy Spirit, more power, as I've emphasized, and we can all be more intentional about how we witness in our context. We can ask God to equip us. We can ask him to help us to take those opportunities that he lays out before us. And if you're finding it challenging and if it's actually really difficult for you, I just want to invite you to come and spend some time with me Uh, I am available now and again just to have a cup of coffee and talk to you about your context. I've done it a couple of times with a couple of individuals, and it's been really helpful. And it's been uh, encouraging for me to see that people actually are going, I'm taking this seriously, all right? I'm not going to try and be like you, Quincy, because I'm not like you. Uh, I'm actually quite different from you. Um, So how can I witness in my context? Come and see me. Come and spend time with me. We'll talk about it, and we'll work it out. On the Tuesday, we had a really good time at the Hub, the Christian Union. It's doing really well. We've got nearly uh, an average of about 18 young people coming along from different church contexts. And we had this discussion at the start of a new year. What is it we want to do by, the end, by this time next year for God's glory? And I got them each to write down three godly goals and three uh, godly desires that they want to see come to fruition by next January. And obviously the godly goals are things that they want to do, things that are within their control, 
and the godly desires are things that they would wish God to do uh, that are beyond their own control. And maybe you're a little bit like me, just like to have something in your hand, something tangible to hold on to. Well, you could do the same thing if you wanted to this year. You could write down those three things in witnessing you want to do for God's glory and those three things that you want God to do through your witnessing or by a different method for his glory. Just an idea to do. But that's the first question. How can I become a better witness this year? There are ways that you can do it in your context, and there are ways that we can all make more of a um, go for it uh, in, that, in that area with witnessing. Finally, we move on to our last question, uh, and it's what can I do now in the run-up to Alpha? The Alpha launch night is 11 days away from now. That's 15,840 minutes, 95,400 seconds, and 33 square meals away from now. To which you might say, oh, no, it isn't. To which I would say, oh, yes, it is, approximately. But the Alpha launch night is going to be superb. It's going to be at the Gurkha Kitchen, and Kieran Dunn is going to come up from King's Church, Mid-Sussex. He's going to tell us about the Alpha course. He's going to enjoy some nice wine and curry with our guests. Our team are going to be there, our team of Shola, Neil, Ella, Kinga, Jen, and myself. We're going to be taking a genuine interest in the people that you have invited and that have come along. We're going to be asking them about their lives, their pets, their jobs, their, what, their likes, their dislikes. We're going to spend some time just getting to know them. And at the moment, praise God, we have got 13 people interested in either the meal or the first week of the course or both. Praise God. 13 people. That's amazing. We want to double it. Want another 13 added to that list by 11 days from now. And we can all take some final steps to ensure this is the case. And I just want to encourage you, we've been building towards this for four and a half months Let's not miss the moment to invite people to the Alpha launch night. You've been witnessing, and now the time has come to dig out your prayer card. Pray your socks off for the person that you are going to invite, the people you're going to invite, and just take some time to think about that. Take some time to think about what you're praying. You don't just want them to get saved and then drift away. You want them to be saved baptized, discipled, added to a local church. And it was interesting, on Thursday at our prayer meeting as part of the week of prayer this week, Dale had a word about praying carefully for the people that you're going to invite. He mentioned that it might not be the, most five, the five most likely that you think should, that should come. So please pray carefully, diligently about who you're going to invite and maybe invite some people that you think, well, they probably won't come. Just see who God drops on your heart in that moment before you go and take your five invites out with you. The second thing is this. Take hold of your Alpha Flyer and make sure that you're acquainted with the information on the back. Make sure you know what you're talking about, when it is, what it is, how it's going to be. Uh, include the details, perhaps, uh, about it, but have that flyer with you and the knowledge. Think through exactly how you're going to invite them to the Alpha launch night. And this really helps, um, honestly, thinking it through. Right, how do I phrase it to them? Uh, and, and what key info do I need to remember? Free curry, uh, uh, alpha explanation, um, relaxed environment. You can ask any question, free curry. There are very important things that you need to remember when you're, when you're thinking it through. How am I going to invite them? Next thing, think about when you're going to invite them. Pick a specific time when you know that they'll have a moment to consider your invitation. Don't invite them when they're in the middle of something. Don't invite them perhaps uh, when they're super busy, when they're picking the kids up from school and on the loo and they're in the middle of something. Try and find a time where they can actually weigh your response. 
I'm glad lots of you were listening at that point. That's good. Weigh up the response. We want them to think it through carefully, and um, that's number four. Number five is this. Invite them. Say a short prayer, stay calm, and invite them. They're the people you've been witnessing to over the last four months. You can do it. I believe in you. Now, my challenge to you in the next 11 days is to take the five flyers, the five invites on your seat. They're wrapped in a rubber band and invite five people. And I want you to pray it through like I've said, but that's my challenge to you. If, if the five flyers you've got, the five invitations you've got, go out and people receive your invitation and they say no, then we'll praise God together. If the five invitations you send out to people are well received and they say yes, we'll praise God together. It's an act of obedience, inviting people along, however likely they are or unlikely they are to say no or yes. And the last thing we can do together is grab one of these. You might have seen this in Oxted on the bus stop or possibly on a notice board or possibly on the A-frame outside the center or on the board in the center. Now, with this, we want to have the maximum impact in the next 11 days. I know it's tempting to put it in your bedroom or kitchen or on your fridge, but please don't. Please put it in the window of your car or in the window of your house or both. And let's allow this face, this guy, people know, to help us bring people to our Alpha course. For God's glory, not his. But he's the help, most helpful tool we've got in this in some ways because he reaches something like a billion people know who he is. And also the Alpha Global campaign is taking place right now. It's online, it's in London, it's on Twitter, it's in all those places where people will see it. And we want to have a maximum impact, so please take a poster or two. Good. Well, in conclusion, we'll go back to the point. Believe the truth. I can be a witness. It's time to believe the truth, not the lie. Every time you wake up in the morning this week, I want you to look in the mirror and say, I am a witness for Jesus. And if you hear the enemy shout back, oh, no, you're not. You can end that conversation right there by saying, panto season is over. Forever. We're not going around that loop again. Then you can answer the question, how can I be a better witness this year? There's things we can all do. There's things that only you can do. Set yourself those witnessing goals, and we'll celebrate them with you next year. Ask what next. Pray for people. Throw up the tennis balls. Seek out the people of peace in your life. And the final question, what can I do now in the run-up to Alpha? In the next two weeks, put up a poster. Invite five people to come. I know you can do it. I'm confident in that. We're going to respond to this because it wouldn't be a preach on witnessing if we didn't actually remember what we were, wit what we were witnessing about. And I just want to take a few minutes to, uh, to comment on that. But first, if you're a Christian here this morning and you want to become a better witness this year, let's do this together. Just put your hand up in the air right now because I want to become a better witness, certainly. Great. You can put your hands up. Oh, good, yeah. Okay, so you may want God to help you with this. You may want God to help you change your thinking. Sophie and I had this conversation the other day where actually sometimes you need to ask God to help you want to change your thinking because sometimes I don't even want to. And if that's you this morning, why don't you just close your eyes for a moment and I'll pray. We'll do that now. Father God, I thank you that we have a wonderful gospel to preach, a wonderful story, a wonderful truth to impart to those around us. Thank you that you have placed us among people offline, online, at work, at school, at youth groups, at 
all those places, God, that you know about that no one else necessarily does. You have put us among people who need to hear this message. And I pray for us as a church, Lord, off the back of a culture of mission, but most importantly, off the back of understanding and knowing the hope that we have in you, Jesus, that you would make us better witnesses. Help us change our thinking for your glory. Amen. Amen. And you might have enjoyed my talk this morning um, and been here the whole time, just enjoying the fact that we, we are gathering together to worship God. But it, you, if you're sat there and you're still wondering, what is this guy encouraging people to witness about? Well, the likelihood is if you're wondering, then you haven't heard the gospel yet. And so I'm just going to preach it to you one last time before we end with a worship song. For those of you who have not placed your faith in Jesus and become his followers, you need to hear it. And for us Christians, well, we just need to log this in our memory, the gospel once again. It's the reason we witness in the first place. Let's recall the gospel. Romans 3.23, a verse in the New New Testament says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure what that means, it means that actually everyone is imperfect. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has done stuff wrong. Everyone knows that. How do we know that? Well, the symptoms are clear. Guilt and shame overcome us when we perhaps tell a lie, when we um, shortchange someone, when we are in some way exaggerating upon a story perhaps. We know that actually those things cause us to be imperfect. All have fallen short of the glory of God because God is perfect and we are not. And you might be here this morning and you actually feel that on you. You feel a strange weight upon you of the guilt of what you've been through or a shame that might have been put upon you. And that is sin, bearing its symptoms upon you. You know that the things you've done are not right. Now is the time to acknowledge a need for someone, a need for a saviour. And there's only one person who could ever help us with this, who could ever fulfill that perfect role as the perfect man. And let me just comment on this, that possessions won't save us from our sins. Family can't save us from our sins. Careers can't save us from our sins. Possessions in particular can't remove sins from us, even if we try and deflect them. But Jesus can. He laid down his life for you personally. He saw you before time even began, and he loved you, and he still loves you even today. He loves you so much that he laid his life down and literally sacrificed himself so that he would die in your place for your sins and that you would go free if you put your faith in him. That's how much he loves you. Now, it's important that you know the full gospel. Jesus doesn't want you to doesn't want only to save part of you. He doesn't want to save just a bit of your heart or a bit of your mind or just a part of you that comes on a Sunday. He wants to save all of you, heart, mind, body, soul. He wants those to abide in him completely. And you have to consider the cost. You have to count the cost of putting your faith in him and becoming a follower this morning before you do it. Are you willing to turn away from everything you know that is wrong and invite Jesus to transform your heart by the power of his spirit? If so, then now's the time to invite Jesus in. If not, just wait a little bit longer until you're ready to do that. Jesus will never force himself into your life. He'll never force you to accept him. In Revelation 3.23, it says, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. 
Would you close your eyes again for me, just for the moment? Thanks. If you've heard Jesus' voice this morning, understood you need him to save you and wish to start a relationship with him, then please raise your hand. Thanks. And if you want to pray this prayer through with me this morning, then you can do. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in your heart, but it's really just a way of saying, God, I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to turn away from the things that I know are wrong and receive you in my heart. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinful person. I recognize I need you to save me from my sins. I thank you for choosing to lay your life down so that I might live instead. And I open the door to you and invite you into my life. I declare you are my personal Lord and Savior, and I invite you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and transform me from the inside out. I love you, Jesus. Amen. You can open your eyes. Praise God. We have such an amazing gospel to share with people, and we're going to celebrate that now. We're going to sing a worship song together. So would you all stand? That would be fantastic. Hmm. Praise God. Let's uh, cry out this worship song together, and we will have tea and coffee in a minute, but I just feel, I just sense that it is right to put God in that place again. We've said we want to be witnesses. Come, God. Come, Holy Spirit, and do a work in our hearts. Now I pray. Amen. Amen.